0: everybody, this is Phil Town.
1: And this is Danielle Town.
0: Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're here to help you guys all learn about how to do great investing and uh, the way we do it and the way that Warren Buffett does it, we think, as best we can tell, <laughs> without having a personal confirmation from Warren, although I have to say he did was, was kind enough to read uh, the book that Danielle and I wrote called Invested. That's and true. And shoot us a nice letter about it, which was really sweet. And yeah. so, you know, he's got an idea out there, and he was kind enough also to come to um, a panel that Danielle was on in Omaha. Uh, really, also really true. nice of him to show up. And, he really, uh, yeah, and he really it. did
1: that because of Laura Rittenhouse, who's a friend of his and is an amazing author about um, studying management. And he really did that as a favor to her. And I think because he truly supports women um, getting into investing. And so he came to, that was the topic of the panel in Omaha and he came to support that topic.
0: So I, I want to start today with uh, going back to the quote we talked about um, because I think it is it's it is what great investing is about. And I think it's the thing that most people miss when they start to think about investing. And I think it's really critical that that we get this real clear. So here's the so quote these are, again.
1: These are some quotes that you found in a book. What's the book called?
0: Oh, yeah. This is a book writ, uh, edited by Robert Block, whose father started H&R Block and who's a big fan of Warren Buffett's. And it's called um, A Short and Simple Guide to Rational Investing, My Warren Buffett Bible is the title. Oh,
1: that's cute.
0: <laughs> and it's really cool. So... The, and I love it. You guys so it's should go a book a of just
1: like straight up quotes, right? Like
0: there's nothing just else quotes. in it. No comments.
1: Okay.
0: So we're providing the comments.
1: God, we're, that's the kind of book to write. That doesn't take no, much.
0: That's awkward. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to gotta do a lot of work getting through which ones you want to put in here. But dang, after you've done it, that's just great. It just goes fast.
1: Remember that for the next book.
0: <laughs> okay. So here it is. You ready? Okay. Here's the heart and soul. Of what I call Rule 1 Investing. I don't which, think
1: that's a quote from Warren Buffett.
0: No, it's... <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're right. And this, this quote that I'm about to give you is what I think is the heart and soul of Rule 1 Investing, okay. which means investing with a focus on not losing money. Okay. This is the key. Quote, a great investment opportunity occurs when a marvelous business encounters a one-time huge but solvable problem.
1: Hmm. Now, yeah, that's an event, the way you taught it to me.
0: That's an event.
1: Capitalized. And it's,
0: this is so loaded, um, because here's, <clears throat> here's a couple of key things. First, it's got to be a marvelous business, hmm. right? Hmm. And a marvelous business has a very specific definition. It's one that you can look into the future with a pretty high degree of certainty um, about this company being more productive and bigger than it is today. And by the future, I mean five to 10 years out. Right. You can, so it's you can a business
1: that is doing well already has mm-hmm. been doing well for a while mm-hmm. and you can see it continuing to do well in the future, meaning, and by doing well, what does that mean? Well, how do you think of doing well, like growing a lot or. Well, it doesn't have to grow a lot. It just okay. has to
0: be predictable what it's going to hmm. do, right? And so doing well means that it has a certain level of predictability to it with with substantial free cash flow. In other words, it's, if you own the entire business, you'd be putting money in your pocket every year beyond and above what you need to keep the business going forward and growing. It's got excess capital. We call that free cash flow. Hmm. So that excess money is going into your pocket. And if you want to think about that, um, in real estate terms, it would be you've got a house that you're renting and you paid for it all cash. Okay, so you, you you got a quarter million dollars and you bought this house. And now you're renting it out. And after you pay out all the expenses of the house and a fund for replacing, you know, the roof in 10 years or whatever, um, what you have left before you go and pay taxes to the IRS, what you have left is money that you can spend on growing the house larger. You could spend it on that. And if you took a chunk of that money and you said, okay, every year I'm going to take a chunk of this money and I'm going to build an extra bedroom in this house, let's just say, right? you got a big basement. Every year you're going to build a new bedroom so you can charge more rent. I want you to take that money out as well. That's called capital expenditures. And I want you to remove that. And then what you have left is called free cash flow.
1: Does
0: that help? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It was kind of, or is that making it worse?
1: No, so, it's, it's, that is a good description. I just tend to like, my brain glazes over when we talk oh, about no.
0: um, Okay, so like bottom numbers line and stuff, is, but
1: this is why we wrote the book Invested, because I knew I had to put it down on paper, and I know I've said this before, I literally pull our book off my shelf when I need to do my pricing evaluation, <laughs> because I cannot remember how I wrote down that I should do it. So I have to, I literally open it up. And every time I go, thank goodness I wrote this book. That was so smart of me. Like just for my own personal reference.
0: So, so
1: cute. Yeah, I, um, I think everything you said sounded
0: correct. And that's what makes it marvelous, is that it's <laughs> doing that consistently. And the, that thing that I'm talking about is putting cash in the owner's pocket called free cash flow mm-hmm. and it's doing it with enormous consistency and it will continue doing it well into the future because it has some protection against competition in the form of a brand typically or a, um, some some way that protects their secrets of the business something something right maybe it's the low price company that can do this so something and those that thing makes it marvelous Oh and by the way it's run by really great people who you trust and who are really good at what they do. Did he
1: say that in that quote? I can't remember now.
0: No, he just says marvelous.
1: Just marvelous. No Mm -hmm. info, no detail. Okay.
0: No. So just, we're defining marvelous for everybody here as fabulous people running this thing. So, you know, you don't have to run it. It's a great store and it's being run by great people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, It's going to be continuing to be a great store for a long, long time into the future, as far as you can see. Um, And it's producing great cash flow that you can spend as the owner. So that's what makes this thing marvelous. And obviously, you understand it. It's a pretty simple business. You you get it. It doesn't take a genius to figure this business out. And businesses like that don't go on sale. They don't go on sale. Nobody's stupid out there in the world who's going to just unload one of these fantastic businesses. Super cheap. They're just not going to happen unless this one thing happens. And that is there's a huge one-time problem. Or let's just say there's a huge problem. Right? Why there's are a you huge taking problem. out
1: one time?
0: Because a lot of really marvelous businesses run into a huge problem and it kills them dead. Oh. It goes from yeah. marvelous to disaster. Okay. So you have IBM, this marvelous business, and then they don't see the cloud coming. And in, f- in spite of doing 6,000 patents a year, they don't even see it coming. And now Amazon and Microsoft are, and Oracle are tearing them up. And mm-hmm. nobody knows for sure that they'll survive. So you've got a marvelous business that didn't, did, that encountered a huge problem. The industry changed dramatically, and they didn't change with it. And it may not be solvable. IBM is having trouble solving the problem, okay? So when Buffett is saying, hey, there's a marvelous business, it has a problem, that's not okay.
1: Oh, I see. I thought you were saying that is okay. Okay, got it.
0: No, that's definitely not okay. It's a very specific kind of problem Hmm. that he's talking about here. It is, number one, one time. It's going to happen one time. And number two, they are going to solve it. No question about it. So those two things have to go together. And lest I bore you to tears, Chipotle (laughs) is a perfect (laughs) example of that. A marvelous business, massive free cash flow, run by really talented people. They have a one-time problem of E. coli, making people sick in their restaurants, which they have solved and become the standard of the industry for food safety. And they have exploded as an investment as a result. So that's it right there. That's exactly the whole thing in a nutshell. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that a great sentence? A great investment opportunity occurs when a marvelous business encounters a one time huge, but solvable problem. And what makes it go on sale is the industry fund managers are not going to stay in this thing while it figures out how to solve that problem.
1: Because the problem probably takes time to solve.
0: Exactly. because it wouldn't really be a problem. Yeah. It's a huge problem. It's like they really got a big issue here. Yeah. It's going to take them. Like in Chipotle's case, they solved the E. coli problem probably within a matter of weeks. They knew what was wrong and they fixed it. But it's taken years before uh, the problem has been forgotten. And people are back in the store. I mean,
1: I was going to say, I think that one actually is kind of the exception in that it's been resolved. Uh, at least the market has recognized that it's been resolved so quickly. I thought, it, I thought it was like insanely quick that the market um, came back and found that company again. When they're, I mean, they're still being sued over some equalized stuff.
0: I, so, I thought it was about what what I expected. I thought you? you know. Two, three years is about what I thought, uh, you know, for the the basically the public to forget, which means the fund managers to forget mm-hmm. that it was this huge issue. And then they, in that period of time, they've proven they've got it under control. And um, the end result was uh, the problem started in late 2015. It really hit the stock in two thousand. 16 early on, stock dropped like a yeah, brick. Yeah, well, and they had a back, few more instances.
1: Yeah. So well, They
0: didn't, though. That's the crazy yeah, thing. They, they had instances of norovirus.
1: Yeah. Okay, you're right. I conflate them. You're right. But to me, it's, you know, it's all the same. It's all consumer confidence.
0: That's that's correct. And, um, and com- completely misplaced consumer <laughs> problems when it's a norovirus. Because every place out there has norovirus once in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that, that kept hitting them, and that took a little longer to get back than it would have otherwise. So, But think about how fantastic that is. You could buy that stock at $250 a share, and today it's selling for $650, and it, it was at $700 and something not too long ago. Mm-hmm. What an incredible thing. In a matter of a year or so, that, that from the very bottom time, right, about a year, year and a half.
1: Yeah, so I guess that that that's sense, it why really it seemed fast. quick to me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. All right. Very cool.
1: Give me All another right. quote.
0: Okay, another one. You ready? Yeah. We uh, this, is, this is controversial. Okay. This is quite good. This is for everybody out there who's listening, who thinks, you know, my financial advisor is saying you must diversify because that's how you reduce risk in investing in the market. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here's Buffett. We believe that a policy of portfolio concentration may well decrease risk if it raises as it should – both the intensity with which the investor thinks about a business and the comfort level he must feel with his economic characteristics before buying into it. In other words...
1: Say that one more time.
0: Okay. So here's... Uh, I'll paraphrase and I'll reread it. The The idea is that if you're putting your money into 200, 300 things, which is when you buy the SPY, you bought 500 things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't know about any of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your, your your reduction of risk is based on uh, the very high likelihood that all of them will not go down. All of them will not go broke, right? And the majority yeah, of them think, will continue yes. to do well. Yes. All right? Um, but Buffett is saying if you focus on a few things um, where you have a very high comfort level, a very high level of certainty is another way of saying that um, – that that's what takes your risk down. So let me read it again. Okay. We believe that a policy of portfolio concentration may well decrease risk if it raises as it should both the intensity with which the investor thinks about a business and the comfort level he must feel with its economic characteristics before buying into it.
1: Interesting. Okay, I, I get what you're going. I get what it's saying. So he's saying that um, that you can reduce risk if you are very knowledgeable about those companies. And uh, the intensity part is interesting. So if you've studied it with a certain intensity, right? Which yeah, because to you, because you recognize. Really, it. I take to mean really understanding it.
0: Yeah, I think he means really dig. Right. When we when we talk about some of the great investors in this strategy that we that we teach, you know, Lee Lu comes to mind. Right. Here's a guy who got on a plane and flew to a Midwestern town and interviewed people at the CEO's church and at the CEO's country club in order to get his own appraisal of the guy's integrity. Mm. So that's pretty intense. You're not going to do that with the S&P 500, okay? You're not going to do it. So <laughs> Buffett is saying that that level of intensity where, where you, you find a question that you haven't got an answer to and you don't make the investment until you do have an answer to that question, um, at which time your comfort level rises to a point where you're, you're certain you're going to do a good job, that is, in Buffett's view, lower risk than just buying everything.
1: That makes sense to me. Yeah. Good. It's yeah, lower risk because you have made the determination that it has a very strong likelihood of doing well. Whereas buying the SPY, buying the index, it, yes, you buy because you think it has a strong
0: you likelihood think America's going to do well.
1: well, but right, exactly, but without you're kind of agnostic on exactly what's going to happen. Whereas with a particular company, you would want to have a sense of what you think is going to happen with that.
0: Yeah. And on that point, on that point, there's another quote here that says just right below that one that says, overall, we've done better by avoiding dragons than by slaying them. Yeah. (laughs) Which I, I think is right to that point that if you're, you're looking to reduce risk, um, You're not going to go out there and acquire companies like, let's say, Markel Corporation, which is a a smaller uh, version of a Berkshire Hathaway. They take a different approach to this. They do go out and acquire companies that need slaying, that that have real problems that that they have to fix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they buy dragons because dragons are cheap. Right. So they can get those cheap dragons and then they've got to go in there and fix them. Buffett would prefer to sit in cash and not... Uh, deal with that. Just avoid those dragons and wait for these companies to come along that um, are going through this one-time problem and then snap them up. That's and someday we'll have to talk about Heinz Kraft Heinz acquisition. That was, that's an interesting version of this.
1: Yeah, we've gotten a lot of questions from you guys from listeners about that and I think going through it as a case study would be really interesting. Speaking of that, so here's another quote from that book. Short one, quote, it is optimism that is the enemy of the rational buyer. I like that one because I am naturally optimistic (laughs) and I constantly have to sort of tamper myself down. i am sort of actually, I kind of range between naturally pessimistic and naturally optimistic where like I start out really pessimistic and then I find something I get excited about and then I get way too excited and I go all the way to the other side and decide (laughs) that I love it. And then it's all amazing. And I just, I'm going to like, and then i feel like i'm going to miss out immediately cuz i should have found it 2 years ago or last week and i just found it today so now i have to like oh figure it out and then and then i get like oh well if it was so great i would have known about it already and then i get all pessimistic again <laughs> <laughs> it is optimism that is the enemy of the rational buyer and i would even modify that to say it is just that roller coaster of emotions that is the enemy of the rational buyer,
0: I think you're actually right on that. I I think that pessimism can be an equally big problem for for a Agree. rational investor. Absolutely. Any time any emotion is taking over your rational mind, it's creating a problem in one direction or the other. And I I, I know that Buffett is. Basically, if you're pessimistic, you're not likely to make mistakes of commission. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, you're just like (laughs) blowing it off. I'm not, I'm not doing anything and you never make a move. You never pull the trigger. But
1: all my people out there (laughs) feel me because we are like naturally pessimistic about this whole endeavor (laughs) and therefore make every mistake of omission, which is just doing absolutely nothing whatsoever, including like anything to do with the markets. Full stop.
0: But the so, thing is, if if you if you go that way, you're learning all the time, even if you do nothing full stop.
1: For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I and mean, if you I'm, keep
0: learning, eventually what's gonna happen is there's gonna be something that comes along that you see and you know you can do it.
1: That's obvious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's and obvious. I mean this is
1: this is what I tell people all the time when they're they're like I'm like you and I don't know what to do and I don't have any time to learn investing and I mean I totally get it. So the thing is there's so much that is investing practice that we don't think of as being investing practice because it has to be some sort of like fancy version of like looking at companies and evaluating them in some certain way. And no, I completely reject that. And that's what stopped me from doing investing for so long is I also thought that it had to be like some fancy certain thing and basically it had to involve spreadsheets because that's the way you always (laughs) showed it to me and I wanted nothing (laughs) to do with them. So no, like reading the news about companies, getting interested in products that you use and you buy with your consumer money, that's investing practice. Just thinking about it in a slightly larger way, a different way. Um, That's it. Like it's literally like being like, should I buy a Samsung or an iPhone Oh, I like Samsung better. Oh, that's interesting. They're rival companies. Hmm. I wonder what's going on with those companies. That's investing practice right there. Like that's right it. There. That just turned it into an investing process in your mind. Um, there's another quote from that book, which is quote. Oh, no, wait, this isn't it.
0: Where's well, let me, one? let me jump. Let me jump wait. on one right there to follow up what you were saying. Here's another quote. No, the business schools.
1: Oh, that's what huh? I was going to read. You read oh, it.
0: Perfect. You saw that too? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Would what, what, Read it. Go ahead. No,
1: go for it. Go for
0: it. All right. The business schools reward difficult, complex behavior more than simple behavior. But simple behavior is more effective.
1: Exactly. exactly. Yes. Yes. And it's yes. not just business schools. It's the financial news. It's the way people write articles about financial stuff. It's the words that are used in investing articles and news sites and and this, this language and vocabulary that we don't know. And because we don't know it, it's intimidating. And because it's intimidating, it feels uncomfortable. And so because it's uncomfortable... You don't do it. it's that simple, and like that's completely natural and normal and expected. Of course, we don't do it, and then we all feel bad about it because we know we should be doing something about it. so it's just this nasty cycle, and um I think staying simple and just giving yourself credit, like one of my friends is sort of like not into this stuff, really, but she knows about it through me, and so. Every now and then she'll kind of say like, oh, I just, you know, I really wish that I could learn investing, but I just don't have time. And I say, okay, you know, that makes sense. We're all busy and no big deal. And then she'll say, oh, but I read an article the other day about Tesla. I'm making this up, but basically like roughly that, like Tesla or or Apple or whatever. And what did you think about that? And I'll say, you just did investing practice. Do you realize that you just did investing practice? You read an article, you thought about what that company was doing, and then you even took the extra step of talking to somebody about it. That's a really big deal. And she said, oh my gosh, I just did investing practice. And she got like a little proud of herself. And that's the like that shift in emotion of feeling like, hey, I did something right. And I did something that I hadn't done before and it felt nice and was interesting and wasn't a bad part of my day. That's the shift that we all, and it's so tiny, but if we can just get there, I think so many more people would, um, would find it accessible rather than, uh, being very far away and difficult and complex as Mr. Buffett said.
0: And, and God bless Warren and Charlie, I mean, seriously, they've spent a lifetime trying to convince us that this is a simple process. It doesn't make it easy. It is is difficult to do Mm -hmm. because of the emotions involved of not following the crowd. Well, and
1: because there is a lot of difficult stuff. To be real about it, there is difficult stuff that you have to learn.
0: But it's doable. Right. But the actual process is simple. And simple behavior means effectively knowing the, the, the things that you have to know, knowing what you have to know and making sure you know it about that company and then being very patient and waiting for the price to come to you so that if you've made a mistake on those things that you have to know, that you won't be, you won't be financially damaged for it because you're really buying this thing super cheap and you're buying it super cheap. Why? Why? Well, we just have that other quote, which is because they have a huge one time problem Hmm. and it's going to go away. And that's then you want to you want to load up the and and key to this simple behavior is load up the truck. When you have that one one instance of a one time problem, you want to you want to buy a big, huge piece of this thing. So that's you don't want to just step your toe in the water. And that's where, you know, it's really important that you have done the work. So yeah, simple behavior and you get around the I don't know, the incantations that the witch doctors on Wall Street will chant to you or your financial advisor will fill your head with, um, you know, the you know, balanced portfolio, rebalancing your portfolio, you want to be sure the CAPM model is predicting the correct outcome, that your sharp ratios are in tune with your betas. And all of this Honestly, all the things I just said to you just now are incantations used by witch doctors (laughs) that are taught in business school to this day in the flat earth business schools teaching about the way the market works, um, which only works that way in an ivory tower on some campus in the Ivy League. It doesn't work the way they think it does in the real world at all. And this is Buffett's message. And as a result of this really difficult complex analysis that these guys are taught to do they have they have a real stake in it they're really good at the math and because they're really good at the math they're not going to they're not going to give up easily when you tell them i think i can do this on my own they're going to be laughing at you the way the priests laughed at you when you not not us but us i guess as a people when we were peasants in feudal france or feudal germany and we thought we would like to learn to read. And, I don't and, know. I think you're priest,
1: exaggerating.
0: Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I think the priests... There's
1: a, there's a, I think you're
0: fi- enjoying
1: being persecuted a little bit here.
0: There's, there's. I mean, you're not paranoid if they're really out to kill you, right? <laughs> <laughs> And the truth of the matter is that the industry functions on the basis of this difficult complex behavior. They function on that basis. They they don't have there's no advantage to this industry of having you come to believe that you can do this on their own. There's only downsides to them. You know, yeah. where would they get the 100 billion dollars a year in commissions that they yeah. make yeah. and fees? Yeah. If they didn't have you buffaloed that you can't do this on your own, that this is some kind of high science that only the priesthood, having graduated from Harvard Business School, can handle. And that is, I think it's literally the same case. I think it's an exact parallel to um, the, the fact that most of us were illiterate in the 1400s in Europe or the 1300s. We were illiterate. And because they had some tools, they had a, they had a process that they could use to read, that they refused to teach us, and because the tools were so expensive, you know, we stayed illiterate, and they kept us down. Literacy, the Gutenberg printing press was one of the most important inventions in the history of mankind, because it democratized liberty, uh, li- literacy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you, you, liberty. Would you agree with that? <laughs> hmm?
1: Yes, and liberty. I think and, actually, and that's, <laughs> I think that's actually true.
0: That's that's probably true. And so and and frankly, the Internet has done the same thing now, Mm -hmm. but it done it for financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So the things we have to know, we can now find out very quickly, uh, very inexpensively compared to what things were like just 30 years ago or 20 years ago. So I I really think that this quote, business schools reward difficult, complex behavior more than simple behavior. Absolutely true. And they have no reason to want to teach you simple stuff. I mean, they not get funded like that. So, well, you're disagreeing with me a little. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna give it a no comment, and right. I think that uh, I think that the the gist of it is true. That complex behavior is rewarded in the world of finance. I think that's very true. And does that get you the best results? Not necessarily.
0: Yeah, and then just follow it up with Buffett's famous quote, which is. I'll tell you how how to become rich. Um, be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's simple, right?
1: It's super simple. simple. It's I mean I think it's obviously like way more complicated
0: than that. But let's let's just think about it first from that point of view for a second. It is ultimately it is more involved than that. Right in terms yeah, of yeah i mean obviously i just
1: have I just have trouble when it's all like everybody's out to get us, and no one wants us to be able to do this, and oh, like we're like fighting the man, and uh, uh, Buffett tells us what to do, and it's I don't know, like it's just sort of this <laughs> I don't know, I have a hard time with the whole like cult mentality, <laughs> but um but i I agree <laughs> that um. That buying when when others are fearful and, no, buying when when others are greedy. No, selling when others are greedy and buying when others are fearful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It isn't that hard.
1: Doing the opposite of other people is the point. Uh, It's it's a simple concept that is not easy to execute at all because it's not always true. And it's only true in in certain contexts. Um, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. Time time out. What do you mean it's not always true?
1: I mean, it's hard buy to when know. Are it's hard to know when people are quote unquote fearful and when people are quote unquote greedy. It's hard to know when that's happening. I mean, of course it's correct. If somebody could come up to me and say, "Hey, everybody's being really fearful right now." I'd be like, "That is super helpful." I'm going to go by well, I'll but nobody, a clue. But nobody's come up to me to say that. I think they have. Have they?
0: Yes. I think that it's on the front page of the newspaper. I think it's the loud screaming, yelling things. When people get fearful about a company, you'll see it everywhere.
1: Well, and that's a really good point. I mean, may, that's a really good point. Maybe this is uh, the, these comments I'm making are a result of inexperience because I haven't been through a recession or a crash as an investor. So to me, it's all academic. It's all imaginary. I mean, I've been through it as, you know, a normal person living in the world, but not as somebody who's looking for companies to buy and who's, who's looking for that fear out there. I haven't been through it. So I have no experience. Well, well you what don't have I to have... wait for
0: the next recession. Just read the newspaper and there'll be events happening. So let's, let, me, let me give you a few of them, right? Um, Boeing is in the middle of an event right now. They've got a huge one-time right. problem with that's the 737. A great,
1: that's a great example because that's one where it's not obvious to me.
0: You don't think there's a lot of fear?
1: I think there's a lot of fear. Do I think Boeing is a great company? I, I don't know.
0: Well, that's, another, that's all another question, right? That's another question. That, that oh, involves... so you're just
1: giving it as an example of yeah. any company.
0: It's front page
1: got it got it got it it's front yeah, page
0: yeah i mean i could just list them off right the well blows up in the gulf of mexico and bp's on the front page so's halliburton so's uh, uh, uh transocean and okay yeah uh, cotton prices cotton goes through the roof it's on the front it's on the front page of the commodity section cotton mm-hmm. prices go from 85 cents to $2.25 in a period of 6 months like mm-hmm. g- crisis in the cotton industry um You you, corn prices drop to nineteen forty eight levels. Crisis in the in the farming industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's going to be front page, honey. It absolutely Tesla can't meet its its financial obligations. Front page stuff. So then the question is, okay, there's tons of these things. Then you got to whittle down which ones are wonderful companies, marvelous, as Buffett just said, marvelous companies. Um, and then, which ones are having a one-time problem that's going to be solved? So you can have a marvelous company that's about to die, maybe a Tesla. Um, and you can have a marvelous company that's going to recover and go on to do great things precisely.
1: You know, f- and so that's won't. why I think I think the one about the marvelous companies <clears throat> having a one-time problem is so much more helpful to me than the buy when others are fearful and sell when others are greedy because. If you were just following that full stop, with no other context, no other information, you would be buying Tesla like a crazy person right now, and you would be, what, selling Amazon probably.
0: So like yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, you would probably. If that's all, you have to have
1: more info than that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent right. Well, let's find some more quotes next time, maybe. All or, right. Or, and I think I, mean, I, think, I like um,
1: following you guys, your suggestion and looking at craft towns, I think would be really interesting. Oh, so that'd be fun. we maybe we'll do that. Also, I kind of want to talk about Beyond Meat because I'm like fascinated by this IPO and the idea that this company has had its price go up so much thanks to its quote unquote addressable market and that that's all anybody's looking at, and I just, I don't know, I'm like super interested in uh, in how people are thinking about that as a speculation.
0: Love it. And we can talk about why we don't buy IPOs almost all the time.
1: Yeah. As rule, I also, right? I think before we tape that next one, I'm going to have to go try one of these Beyond Burgers because I haven't tried one yet. And I keep, I'm getting texts from people saying how good it is. So I need to try it.
0: And remember, be looking For their protection against competition, right? It's all all, the first guy invents the market. Wow. Meat that isn't meat that tastes like meat and has got big profit margins because there's no competition. And then there's tons of competition
1: though. That's the thing people have been doing. I mean, I've been vegetarian, relatively vegetarian. Most of my life, people do all kinds of fake meat stuff. But I think that's this true. is the one that actually apparently and I haven't tried it, but apparently it tastes just like like a like a beef burger. And that's what they did differently. And then there's this other one called impossible meat or impossible burger. And that apparently also is really good. So I need to go try it. And then we can talk okay. about it.
0: And then understand how they protect themselves. That's right. All right. Until then.
1: I feel like there's a hint, hint
0: in there. Yeah, there's a hint there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for our podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice, because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.